On this episode of the B-Side, we'll be talking about missions with an overseas minister. Welcome to the B-Side, a Blessed Hope podcast where we turn over the sermon notes and answer those lingering questions. Hey everybody, I'm Vince and I'm joined by Pastor Matt here at Blessed Hope and we're also joined by uh, Pastor Matt from overseas. He preached here on Sunday and so uh, we get the opportunity to talk missions um, and I, I'm, missions is just so important to the church and I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, I, and uh, you know, if you haven't had a chance to listen to Matt's sermon from Sunday, that's available online too. So make sure either before you listen to this podcast or right after that you that you listen to that one as well so you can hear uh, the good word that Matt brought to us um, Sunday morning. Uh, but uh, we're just excited to, to have some conversation and uh, hear uh, from you and uh, be encouraged by you. And uh, it's always good to see you and your wife and uh, your little one. Um, and so it's great that we had the, the chance to connect. Yeah, we're glad to be here. Was glad to be here Sunday and glad to be here to have a conversation with you guys on this topic now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things for me and for a lot of people in the church is we struggle with this idea of leaving everything and going overseas. Mm. And um, so what did you and your family do uh, before you were an overseas uh, minister? Yeah. Yeah. Before we left... um, to go overseas, we we I've done a number of things. We lived I lived in the city of Ames for about seven or eight years before we left. So I started going there for college, and I met my wife there, who is a third generation Iowa State grad. And uh, um, I actually worked for the Lutheran Services in Iowa as a counselor at one of their in-home residency things for kids with uh, some severe mental health or especially conduct disorders. And so I did that for, oh, a year and a half um, before we started uh, seeking a way, seeking a platform that would allow us to go overseas. We had a, yeah, so I had a very normal life. I was a college student. I worked in Ames. I had that same job, not with Lutheran services. Mine was with a, a different agency, but I had that same job for about five years. Yeah. yeah, not an easy job. No, but a great job. Yeah. It's a great job, but it doesn't pay well, no. and people are mad at you all the time. Yes, so both are. It's a lot true. like being a pastor. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure. Yeah. You would know that better than I, but yeah. It, it, so we did that, um, and uh, we uh, served with an American uh, college ministry to help us uh, be equipped to do what we thought God would be calling us to do wherever we were. Yeah, so that that tells us a little bit of how God led you into where you're at right now, but is there a little bit more of a story there? I'm sure a lot of prayer, a lot of hard conversations. Yeah, yeah, there is. I think, um, of course, our my wife and I have different reasons for what we wanted to do, though, though in large part we are married because of a shared vision for our lives um, to go... To go out, so so I'm, I'm interrupting you. Yeah, please. Did you have that conversation like before you got married? Like that was part of the we, part of the process of it was. It and I had that conversation embarrassingly soon, almost before I even asked her on a date. We <laughs> oh, were, wow! So I don't recommend it. This is this is not a, a podcast about how to do relationships well <laughs> okay, uh, by enough. by far. Uh, but uh, yeah, we uh, 
I do. I mean, and I do think there is an importance of of your marriage being based on more than surface level things, right? Being based on faith, and then even more being based on a, a shared a shared vision for your life, whether that be for your children, your church, these kinds of things. I think sometimes we add those things in after, and we find out we differ a lot, and I think there's a lot of conflict yeah. that. Those are, and those are, and we like everyone have conflict, but those are the things we've never had conflict about because going in, we knew where we were going. And, and those are the things that, that, I mean, that's the vision of your life, right? right? I mean, so yeah, it's good to not have conflict. That's, I mean, that's just great. I know it's not what we're talking about, but that's just great advice. I think, you know, we, we've always got people that are dating or mm-hmm. high school students that are thinking about what that would right. be like. And, um, I think far too often, um, when I sit down with couples in premarital counseling, they've not talked about those kinds of things. Right. And, uh, you know, sometimes they're deal breakers. Um, and sometimes somebody has to leave a vision behind because they don't want to leave a relationship behind. And um, that's heartbreaking too. And so getting that stuff out in the open early, that's a big yeah. deal, so. We, we, I mean, we had, I'll just say we had lots of friends who, you know, as we kind of were moving towards these things, we saw a lot of, you know, there was just a lot of excitement um, we were part of a good church and a, and a good uh, young adults and, and college ministry. And there's a lot of excitement to do those things. And as people got in relationships, they moved away from these things because there wasn't that. And, and, and obviously that's part of how God calls people to different things, certainly. But I will just say, as I get back to this story, I, before I started seeking anyone in a relationship, I started to figure out where I was going, where the Lord was leading me. Because especially as I started to feel like I might be going overseas, you don't drag someone with you to do that. Yeah. That, that is not something you try and say, oh, they'll figure it out. This, right. that yeah. We need to go eyes wide open into these kinds of things. And, and so it was really in college. I grew up in a, with wonderful Christian parents. But uh, in college, I really, um, in some ways, returned to my faith, which could be a story for another time. But what I did was I looked at the world around me and, and, and saw all these guys who kind of probably grew up in similar families to mine, who knew nothing of the Lord, who didn't care anything, similar to how I had not cared. And I was like, if I was missing it, maybe they were. And so we, we started a Bible study on our dorm floor. We just started going and meeting all the guys on our floor. And it was exciting and it was fun and hard. And we saw a few people uh, trust the Lord, which is great. And plenty of guys be very uninterested. And as I lived my life, my normal life, but with this focus, my my everyday, everyone I knew focus, I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And at, at first I thought maybe that meant being in a college ministry in Ames. Because I loved Ames and I loved doing what I was doing there. Um, obviously I... You know, it took a job. I, I had all these loves, but it, someone once explained to me that there's a part of the world where there is no church, where there are not Christians, and that was an idea that started capturing my mind. And so I, I went and visited um, a Muslim country uh, where there were no Christians, and and that I would say forever changed my life, changed the direction. This idea that there are places. Yet there is no one there uh, to to do what I was doing on my dorm floor. To do what you guys do in the community here is is what made me say that that is the direction I'm going now. And I don't know for how long, and I don't know what way, 
And I didn't know very much, but I knew that was the direction I wanted to head. And I needed to trust the Lord to guide my path as I went that way with wise counsel from his word um, as we went. So that that is very encouraging um, to me as a as a single guy hearing about the the marriage stuff and just also that the, there's no worship there and so you you just yeah well, I mean how cool is that though too I mean um, I mean Matt that's a pretty cool testimony mm. not not about you know this is how I got to know Jesus and this is how but but about like when you're open okay God what do you want from me you know the idea that God will God will put a vision on your life mm-hmm. and God will give you a mission mm-hmm. um, and so um, how cool is that, that that he clearly told you look this is this is what I have for you and then how cool that he provided for you even though you probably um, maybe got into that conversation too soon yeah. uh, but but not only did he put that vision on your life he provided you a partner uh, right. you know uh, someone to love and, and minister with um, that shared your vision that's just uh, it's just a testament to God's faithfulness and and, uh, and it's fun probably for people just anywhere they can hear you know they can hear them go wow I don't know if I'm called to those kinds of things but one I will say probably the reason I got so quick in is as soon as I became pretty convinced of the direction I was going I said oh Lord am I ever gonna be married please send me a spouse right I he did provide in that way and the context of clarifying where I was going came in serving where I was Right, it didn't come in a, in a long off dream. Oh, I'll get I'll get to do these things someday. It came from whatever meager or to some greater extent gifts I had. Who are the people around me? That service is what why I progressed that way. So obviously, for people with families, it's going to be different. They have children. They're going to be people around people with schools. I was in college and soon after college, and so I think. Um, that's part that that's probably an, an important thing, right? I, I got going because I was already going somewhere. I, that's awesome, and and I think you know what that by itself is just this great big nugget of truth that I think you know if people just got that because I I have people all the time that that want to talk to me as their pastor about well you know I've got this big vision and I've got this big idea and I I want to be an author and I I want to be you know, I, I want to speak to thousands of people or, right. you know, whatever it is they want to do. And it's like, well, that's all fine and good. But the frustration comes from them because God hasn't opened those doors. Right. And the thing I'm always encouraging them of is exactly what you're saying. It's like, you know what? Be obedient where you are. Mm-hmm. Serve here. Mm-hmm. And God will show you and open for you and move you where he wants you uh, as you demonstrate faithfulness. And I, that's just such a great thing that your call became clear and your avenue became clear while you were in the work of the ministry. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. So uh, talking about serving where you're at, and um, I don't know how many people really know what it looks like to be overseas mm-hmm. in a Muslim-majority country. Uh, so what does your typical week look like while you're, you're in the field serving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I'll just say this about... Uh, it, to the Muslim world, there's a there's a big thing I want uh, Christians, uh, especially Western Christians, to start to understand that what the Muslim world needs are Christians who are willing to move there with expertise. And I mean, I'm talking about engineers, I'm talking about doctors, I'm talking about social media managers, uh, English experts, 
um, because these countries are so difficult to enter, um, and uh, there is uh, somewhat of a hostility, if you come with a profession, you can enter, and if you come with a profession, you're showing you're going to serve their community. And then what you can do is you can uh, serve uh, serve the church, uh, witness to Christ in, in that place. And I think that's perhaps uh, something that's going to have to change in our model uh, to go to go to the Muslim world. So, so part of what I do there is uh, I actually, there's a, a company here in the States um, who employs me as a uh, lumber salesman. And I go there and I... Uh, I spend a, a portion of my time helping them. However, the job is giving me the vast majority of my time to serve the people, do evangelism, and serve the church. So our, our big focus is, is because there's no one there, right? Like I mentioned, my focus is meeting people uh, to explain Christianity to them who have never heard it before. So, right, we have to... We start from the beginning. So often our church and... And we, when we want people to uh, hear the gospel, hearing the gospel is not a four laws presentation typically. Because <laughs> not a single concept in that booklet or most gospel presentations we're familiar with would be understood. Mm. They don't understand the word sin the same way. They don't understand the word repent the same way. Uh, the idea of a son of God is understood in a physical, relational way, right? All of these terms have to be defined. And so what we want to do is we want to walk someone through a five or six week study where we go from creation to heaven and everything in between, right? So we talk about creation, fall. We talk about Israel and a few things, sacrifice in there. We get to Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, our response, right? We have to lay that all out because the gospel actually only makes sense in the context the Bible's given to us. Um, and I think even in America, we need to start thinking more this way. The, the idea of God loving you and having a wonderful plan for your life, as Christians, we may have a certain understanding of what that means. I doubt you share that with people outside of the church, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, and that's what, we're, what we do with people. We're looking for people who are willing uh, one, to discuss these things with us, then two, people who are actually willing to learn from the Word. Right? They're, I'm very willing to have a debate with someone on the Trinity or these kinds of things, and it's useful, and it opens doors, but our long-term goal is to find people who want to go, I do want to learn what it says about God as the Creator, about humanity's sin, about this man Jesus, who I call a prophet, who's presented... Um, to me very differently than this book is presenting him. Uh, and then we want to uh, we want to build the church. Really, our goal, anyone's goal in anywhere is to build the church. But we know there, specifically, we want to see, we want to change the situation that they face, right? The, this idea that there's no one there to explain the gospel. That's what we want to see fixed. That's what we want to see changed. Um, we're not there... You know, we're we're not permanently relocating necessarily. We're there to to you know work ourselves out out of the need there. Mm. Yeah, you said that on Sunday, and I, I thought that was that was just such a profound thought that right if you do your job well, 
um, your secondary job well, right? Yeah. You can sell some lumber. Yeah. That's what we tell people here all the time, right? Is like, like you have you have a vocation that pays you, mm-hmm. but your primary vocation is to be on mission, right? And and yes. to be about the kingdom. Yes. So you've got a vocation that pays you to sell lumber, mm-hmm. uh, but your primary mission is about the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and when you do your job well, you very likely will be in a position where you've got to take your family and go somewhere else, and yeah. um, and that will be hard, but sweet, Yeah, I would and, imagine, yeah. And and that's and that's why I think this idea of worship really is, is one, when I talked about Sunday, really connects through these things, because if we make something the end of itself other than God, it all gets confused, right? Mm-hmm. If I make my vocation the end in itself, it becomes out of balance with other things. Uh, if I make a certain kind of ministry the end in itself, that actually makes things confused and, and in different ways, but but it still does. But if we have God as a center, if, you know, for example, that means if someone challenges me and says, you can move to the Muslim world, make a lot of money doing your vocation, but the service you will be offering to the Lord will be unlike anyone else, unlike what what Pastor Matt could offer because he can't go there to do that, then then because your focus is on God and what he's given you to give, you can consider that, right? Yeah. And so I think I think that's the kind of the connection. Yeah. Well and it sounds like that's a trend. You're you're saying a, a trend that um, a new breed of folks that have a heart for overseas ministry Yes, that the the way that God might be calling them to that is for them to be experts and passionate and excellent mm-hmm. at the skills and the and the professions that God's given them, so that they can leverage those for the sake of the gospel at a place where there are no Christians, where the gospel isn't known. And I think that's great because I think you know, um, I mean. We just went to a, a conference that said yeah. that good works gets goodwill that opens a door for the good news. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, creates space for the good news. And, and I, I mean, I think, you know, it's like it, it is not uncommon to find people that are passionate about, like you say, like infrastructure and city planning and architecture and engineering and um, all of those different kinds of things. But also they've got a heart for for people made in the image of God mm-hmm. that are far from him and they want to bring them back. And so, I mean, just how cool is it that you could marry those mm-hmm. things? And then the other awesome thing about that, and I, I mean, I don't know how exactly this works, but boy, when you could leverage that, um, you might be more free than traditional overseas ministry. Absolutely. Where you don't necessarily need to always be fundraising support and yeah. getting people to come up because you've got a vocation that provides you with income and and you're free in the way of so in when and 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 this is not to make to make a small thing of anyone who does a more clandestine work right oh, sure. we want people sneaking bibles into north korea <laughs> right, right, right doing right, whatever right? right those things we don't want to that those people are are amazing servants yeah. of the lord yeah but you okay? So you're there. You're an engineer. Someone goes, "What are you doing here?" Well, you know, I, I work as an engineer for whatever company. They go, "Well, why'd you move here?" Because I love Jesus and nobody knows him. There's, there is. You've married a complete. I know what I'm doing here, and this person will have a respect for it. 
I have a respectable profession and I can share something with them, they're going to be surprised at, right? And mm-hmm. and so it's you're not cowardly, you're not hiding, you're you're certainly putting yourself out there, but you're doing it you're free to because of the platform you have. Well, and also as governments shift right. um, about who can come into the country or can't Correct. come into the country or what they can do. I mean, you would be more secure as, look, I, I, I work here. I have right. a work visa to be here. Right. Um, I have a job that I perform with excellence that contributes to the society that I'm a part of. And I just happen to be a guy that loves Jesus right. or a lady that loves Jesus. And so I think that that's a great, like, man, encouragement to maybe some of our folks that, that are like, ah, you know, maybe that's the way I'm being called, but should I finish this schooling or should I... Should right. I pursue Go to Bible that? School, and maybe right? the answer is you should do both. Exactly. Right? I, you should finish this schooling and then use God's gifting there to leverage it. I, I, I think, yeah, I think this is the path for it. And I think in the past people have been given an either or right. idea, yeah. right? Get up my nursing degree, become an engineer, or go into full-time Christian work or mm. those things. And I think that I think the future is no longer... Yeah. yeah, potentially no longer that way. As we look to to overseas contexts. Yeah, no, I think that's well. Even it, you know what though, Matt? I think even if we look at at um, what, what would we say domestic context? Mm-hmm. I mean, there is something profoundly big in, in the movement around marketplace ministry. Sure. Uh, you know, you see you see this new trend of people choosing to be bivocational ministers, not because of the need financially or the inability of a church to support them, but simply because they want to be in the marketplace. Mm. And so uh, I think there's a growing trend for that, maybe not as strong, Mm. but even here in our context. And honestly, that's what we want for all of our members. Oh, I can can see why, because I think there's 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 a failure in when we understand the priesthood of all believers, that God has called all people we think that means everyone needs to spend all their time as doing as many spiritual things as possible. When really, it means everything you're doing is spiritual, right? The yeah. first people yeah, on earth awesome. were gardeners. Mm. And they were doing that to the glory of God and the extending of his kingdom, yeah. right? And so, so there are people, you on your vocation, whether that be a nurse, a farmer, or whatever, you are doing good works. Now, it's hard to think about it sometimes that way because you're being paid. But you're helping people, you're feeding people, and you're opening, as you guys mentioned, doors for ministry. Well, and that's you said that on Sunday uh, when you were preaching. It was one of the first things you said, and I, I jotted it down in my notes. Just here, I'll show you my notes. Nobody else can see these, but you guys. I took I took a full page of notes just to let you know I was I was tracking you. I was with wow, you, good, um, <laughs> and, and learning some good stuff from you. But one of the things you said is that you live in the tension of yeah doing divine work mm-hmm. that feels at times ordinary and i think that's exactly what you're describing right you're like yes. you know i go to work and and you know i'm flipping burgers or i'm i'm teaching kids or whatever it is that right. i'm doing and it feels ordinary but no when you do it with a heart to the gospel knowing that everything you do um is as a minister of god then yeah boy it it, it it makes a difference. Oh, it, it makes, it's, it's been what's been on my mind all, all of this year. That's kind of been the thought going through my mind is, 
like we can think about it in almost every area of our spiritual lives. Um, uh, you mentioned John Piper on Sunday. He wrote a book, I think it's called Reading the Bible Supernaturally. And he makes this point, reading the Bible is a very natural thing. You're using your mind, you're using your eyes, and you're reading words. However, there's a supernatural transaction going on. You're, you're supernaturally interacting with God. You're hearing His voice as you read and think and consider. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, started, I suddenly kind of started to see that as a paradigm for a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So we're working on something in that. But it's God who works in you. So there's, perhaps it might seem natural, but, but, and then it's just, yeah, it does explode into our vocations, our lives, that God is, God is at work, not just when he does miracles, but in all natural things. When we devote ourselves to him and when we work, God is at work. God is feeding people when you flip burgers. God is healing you when you're a nurse, healing people through you when you're a nurse. And and that makes that makes the idea of us as a body, right? There, it, there is no longer just the few people who are supposed to serve. God is at work in all of our in all of our pursuits if we let Him. Yeah. So I kind of want you to to, to move here mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 start <laughs> championing this with us because this is something we've been you know Vince and I and and, and Malia here. Uh, in the office and the elders, and we've we've just been talking and, and teaching and leading in this uh, in this way over the last you know six months, and uh, we'll continue doing so. Which just this idea that man, we are all on mission that that uh, that there is not a person, regardless of vocation, that that gets to take this off, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that all of it counts mm-hmm. when we do it to the glory of God. And so that is that is good stuff and. You said someday, too, you made the point that there is this grand connection between mission and worship. Mm. Describe that. I think that, um, yes, it's important. As I said, that um, missions is founded on an extension of worship, right? So I taught about Psalm 100, and as it is a call to worship the Creator God, whose people we are, right? Well, a call... Right, a call to worship means someone is being called, told to come and come, come with me and worship Jesus, and and that is fundamentally what uh, where missions comes from, where we are going out to call people to worship, and so our 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 worship is our goal for people. We our goal in it is that they'll worship God, and it's and it's started in our own personal worship of God, and mm-hmm. and part of the part of what we do when we tell people the gospel tell them to come worship is our worship of God, our service to God. But it's also because we want there to be worship in every tribe, tongue, and nation, right? Mm. And, I, and I think it's actually important because, right, the Great Commission doesn't say make as many converts as possible. Right, right. The goal isn't to get as many people to agree with a certain set of statements as you can and done. No, you're trying to get them to worship. So therefore, we don't need to shave off the edges or figure out how do I get people to respond to this? No, I want them to respond to all of God and all of Christ worshipfully. Yeah. And, and so... And, it, and that's a problem with the church today, mm-hmm. at least the American church today, mm-hmm. is is we've started to make it the message mm-hmm. and, 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 and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We, we've started to try to tidy it up or 
culturize it or change it around a little bit to make it more palatable. And I hear you saying, you know what, that better better to have um, you know one or two people respond to the full gospel and worship the living God than to have twenty people hear the message um, and agree with it. Right. Uh, because worshiping God is is the part that they are created for, and that's that's the the nature of salvation. And so that's a, yeah, I mean that's a it's a big deal. Yeah. So as we we wrap up our conversation, and I, if you're listening to this and you haven't gotten anything, you need to listen to it again um, because <laughs> that would be fair. Yeah. There's a ton of encouragement, uh, but I'm just wondering if you can give. I'm not going to put a number on it, but. What are some principles that you use in your overseas ministry? And you've probably said a lot of them throughout this, but to kind of get them condensed, what are some principles you use in overseas ministry that are valuable for an everyday Christian here in America to use? Yeah, wow. You guys probably have as many good ideas on this as I would, but I think that, um, I think fundamentally it's just this, you are there you can you engage with someone on the gospel can it is is what we do right we are engaging people with the gospel but we're not doing it in isolation which is probably an important thing we're doing it in the context of inviting them into the church right overseas in places where there aren't christians right these people don't stand a chance in their faith if they're going to become a lone christian and we probably need to think about people here in the States in the same way, right? They're yeah. not going to have a, a spirituality. I, lo- I love what you said on Sunday uh, because I hear it all the time, right? Like, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't need church or um, I, don't need to, I don't need to be in a church to worship God. Or you're like, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't love Jesus. That's right. really what you're saying. And I, I thought that, that was great because I'm like, well, man, if I said that to some people as the answer to their, oh, I, I, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't like to go to church. It's like, well, then you don't really love Jesus. Right. Uh, I'm I, not sure I can get away with that. I, I like I, it when somebody else says I it. can say it as the visitor. I, I, right? yeah, I, heard, I heard another uh, great analogy for it, right? If we think about the church as Christ's bride, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be like me, you guys coming up to me and go, Matt, you know what? Let's hang out later. Let's go, uh, let's go do something here in town. But you know what? There's one thing I want you to do. Leave that old hag at home. <laughs> Please don't bring your wife. I really love you. I, our friendship means so much to me. But your wife is kind of the worst. Think about that. You yeah. don't love you me. Know what? You I, don't know me. That, you, we're not hanging out. That's right. right. You don't know me. Right. You don't love me. Right? You, you, you love me, but you don't love my family. Right? right. You, you've, you've totally confused our relationship which is the problem with these people who, when people talk like this, as I'm, I'm certain at some point in my life I would have. Oh, yeah, right. Right? I, I mean, like, there's, I feel like there's almost always a stage in people's discipleship where it becomes cool to dog the church. Yep. It's never cool to dog my wife. So it, it's never cool to dog Christ's bride, who right. he will present beautiful one day from every tribe, tongue, and nation, right? They're... And, and so I, I, I think it's an important thing. Um, but yeah, it is so, it's certainly one of those things you can say as a guest. and Because uh, I drive away and, you know, like, <laughs> not everyone takes my email, that kind of thing. Right, so. yeah, I got you. It's a little bit like Paul when he, you know, says things and all of a sudden there's a riot. He's like, I'm going to the next town. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's great. Look, I'll say, I'll say, I'll leave it with this. I, I think you guys here 
at Blessed Hope, and I think the believers in Vinton have a really, really big opportunity to have, you know, and, and I, again, this is where it's, it's I'm, I'm, I, I want to speak cosmically, but very locally. You guys have an outsized opportunity here in Vinton to display and proclaim the kingdom of God in this small community, tight-knit community, that the gospel can really shine through. And the gospel can, you know, the sometimes people blame evangelicals that we, we talk about conversion and we get all these people converted but everything looks the same right there's nothing actually converted mm. um and, and 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 if there's a real conversion of our of your people and a love of christ i think there's a huge opportunity here to see to see something of christ manifest now i don't know what those results will be because as you just said vince i it's so striking to me that when the apostle shows up somewhere with the teaching of Christ, one of two things happened. Revival or a riot. <laughs> right? Those are the those are kind of the two options. That sounds like but a you know great what? name for a ministry. <laughs> Revival, Revival or a riot. riot. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We have the we have the weekly prayer meeting. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> yeah. but, but honestly, you know what though? Here's the here's the thing about that. Neither one of those are bad. No. Now, for me personally, if I'm in the middle of a riot, it feels bad. Right. But this is one of the things that we've often said to our church here and that we're trying to say to the community is that, you know what? When revival happens, you must choose a side. Mm -hmm. There is no foot on each side. There is no fake it. There is no, I'll go through the motions. There is, I am all in or I am all out. And there's something profoundly important about people knowing that they're not where they thought they were. Mm and, and so the challenge to me is, why does everyone respond to me just very politely? Hmm, that's nice. Mm. That's not. Yeah, right? That, that's not it. And neither is a bad thing. You're right. They're, they're what God's word does. Yeah. And, and there is, right, there is peace brought and there is some chaos brought. Mm. Because as, as people leave a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light, right, that throws everything they knew into disorder mm. as they walk towards Christ, and yeah. so I think that that as you guys as you guys work here, you will see fruit and you will see chaos, probably. Yeah, and 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 remember that that's not a bad thing. That's right. that's a great a, a great reminder. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that I think, and I know we don't have time to dig into this. Vince is looking at the clock, um, <laughs> but maybe another time you're in town, we can have this conversation again. Is I think. That's something that people where you minister in a, in a Muslim-majority country where the name of Christ isn't known mm-hmm. uh, or understood. Um, when people choose to follow Jesus, yeah. they do so at relational, sometimes physical, uh, financial peril. Right. Here, when people choose to follow Jesus, oftentimes we've made it so easy for them that, like you say, they look exactly the same as they did the day before. Their relationships are the same. Their finances are the same. Their heart is the same. And that's not real. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's a great, great way. The, the, the Word of God, rightly delivered, should cause revival or riot. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So just want to thank you for joining us on your downtime to mm-hmm. have a conversation that... Um, to me is super encouraging and just spiritually rich and, and helpful. Um, so I want to thank Matt and I want to thank Vince. Or You are Vince. I am Vince. I want to thank Matt and thank Matt 
it didn't make sense in my brain to say Matt twice, but I get you. Um, yeah. thank you for joining us, and uh, thank you everybody for listening, and uh, yeah. can't wait to have you come back and preach again. And yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Uh, we are so blessed by uh, the community in general, and, and blessed hope specifically. So. Yeah.